From years of anxiety to warrior and mentor, Bradley Robinson created the Anxiety Project to help you end your anxiety naturally. Let's mold the new you and let's end anxiety together. Hello and welcome to episode 151 of the Anxiety Project podcast. I am Brad Robinson. Today I'm talking about 10 common habits that make up the personality of an anxiety sufferer. It's really important to understand these habits because you may be doing them and they're unconscious, right? And so you don't know that you're doing them, but this episode might shine a light on a habit or two that you may be doing right now that is keeping you stuck in anxiety. Now, before I get into this episode, I want to go over your comments on last week's episode, which I talked about guilt and healing from guilt. And I talked about my experiences, but also what you can do and what I did to overcome guilt. Uh, You guys left your comments, which I really appreciate. Uh, Nina Serkin says... I felt guilt about certain things I've said to people in high school. I spent a long time beating myself up over it, but now having that perspective of being a young stupid kid and that I'm no longer that same person helps tremendously. Also asking myself, would I say that now helps to get that point across to myself. Uh, Nina, uh, absolutely, uh, yes, that that is the way. I like how you said, would I say that now? I say that to myself sometimes, or usually it's about, do I actually believe that now? Do I, do I really believe that? And the answer would come up from the depths of my unconscious, and it would say, no, I don't believe that. And that's like this truth that emerges, but you have to really ask yourself, right? And I love how you're doing that, that you're, that you're saying, would I say that now knowing at the time, because we make mistakes, right? And when you say to yourself now, would I say that now? Well, I'm sure the answer comes up as a no, right? Because the guilty feelings are an indicator that you kind of learned a lesson, right? That you shouldn't have done what you did. Um, Really powerful. Punk Rock Burton leaves a comment saying, I needed this episode. I can't fathom the amount of time I've spent ruminating over past actions that have caused me guilt. Also, learning about the shadow is important for overcoming guilt. I totally agree. Now, let's get into this episode, 10 Common Habits of an Anxious Person. Now, habits are automated behaviors stemming from your unconscious mind. We want to run a great portion of our day-to-day lives automatically because there's just too much information right? If we have to critically think about every little piece of information, then we will be drained 
by the time it reaches 12 o'clock, right? And so our body wants to automate itself. We are routine creatures, right? Having a routine is important because it doesn't force you to think critically. You just know. You wake up, you know what you have to do. You just do the thing that you've been doing for the past month, two months, five years, ten years. You just wake up and you know it, you don't have to engage in critical thinking about it. Our behaviors are more sophisticated than our representation, right? Our behaviors are more powerful. And the more you act out a lie, the more it becomes who you are, a part of your well, personality. I, I was going to say identity, but your personality, it, it becomes more of who you are. Uh, and you believe that lie after you tell yourself that lie for weeks on end. You're going to believe it and you're going to continuously act out that lie. Now, number 10, the 10th common habit of an anxious person, and, and mind you that there are more than 10, but I just put together this list of, of really common habits. Number 10 is you rely on others close to you for comfort and reassurance. Now, the constant need for validation is very common for somebody suffering from health anxiety because it makes you feel better for the moment. Your parents, your loved one says, oh, you'll be fine. They pat you on the back and you feel great for that moment. It, it's an amazing feeling. That's why it becomes so habitual to an anxious person. But it's really important to know that it's analgesic when you're around people close to you that you care about and you look up to. It's analgesic, which means it's a temporary relief of pain, right? The pain goes away for the moment and you feel good and you get addicted to that feeling good moment. And so when you go back to pain and suffering, which comes soon after, you immediately go back to reassurance seeking with your partner or with that family member. And it becomes this constant cycle and it keeps you stuck in that loop. The ninth common habit of an anxious person is that you care too much about others and less about yourself. Really interesting because for me, I always cared about what others thought. And if I did something, if I said something or acted in a way that uh, made me feel embarrassed, I would ruminate over what other people thought about what I did. And I'd rum about, ruminate over, do they like me? Did I just ruin our relationship? Did I uh, compromise my job in some way? And 
anxiety sufferers, they care too much about pleasing other people and they neglect their own health. The people that care about you are going to be more stressed and annoyed that you're neglecting your mental and physical health. That's really important to know. So you think that you're a good person, that you're trying to help other people, that you're offering your help, but the people on the other side of that, they see that you're not well, but you don't see that, they see that. So you think you're this good person who's a very compassionate person trying to do your best to help those people, but they see something different. They see, well, well, he, that Brad can't even help himself. John can't even help himself. Suzanne, she can't even help herself, right? So if you care about what others think, then it's best that you help yourself first before you help anyone else. And what happens is when you help yourself, that bleeds out into the people around you. But you have to put your higher self first. And you have to put other things in your life on the back burner. And that's what I did when I started my recovery is that I put my relationships on the back burner. I put my job on the back burner. My focus was to get to a better place a month from now. And then after that month, it was the next couple months. And it took me time to improve different areas of my life. And then those areas, once they improved, all other areas in my life changed. My relationships got better because I was a better person. Um, my job got better and I started to strive for higher goals within my job. So when you start to look at your behaviors from a micro level and, and you start to change those micro behaviors, then macro manifestations will come about. The outcomes that you've always dreamt of will happen, but you have to start locally and you have to start minimally with little behaviors that you know you should stop doing, but you can't seem to stop doing. And so the people around you are more concerned. I know people who are suffering from anxiety and they're doing their best to be there for me. They're doing their best to offer their assistance when I'm not feeling well. But in my mind, I see them and then I think, I have the tools and strategies and the confidence and the self-respect to handle and deal with those challenges. How can you help me when you can't even help yourself? That's what I think in my mind. I take those comments 
with a grain of salt based off of how I see your own self-respect, how I see how you're treating your own self. Number eight is any uncertainty causes a massive spike in anxiety. And so you blow your lid easily. You blow up so quickly. Your glass is overflowing. The glass is you and the water that's at the tip top is all the emotional unresolved baggage that has yet to be resolved. And any new novelty that comes your way, any more water that pours into the glass, it'll overflow. And so you react with aggression towards the people around you from little things in your life. And your attention is continuously on the unknown problem within you, whatever, whatever that is. It could be, what if this is cancer? What if this is a disease? You know, you lost your job. What am I going to do with work? Your focus, your attention is on that unknown problem. And when things get in the way of you solving that problem, you erupt. And it could be things you're doing. You could be avoiding looking for a job. You're going and you're playing video games all day. You're going and hanging out with your friends, smoking weed or drinking alcohol, watching Netflix. And you know within you that these things that you're doing are blocking you. Netflix, weed, alcohol, these distractions are blocking you from solving that issue. And so that issue gets repressed. And then when somebody says something about, Hey, Brad, what are you, you know, what are you doing these days? You erupt, right? You're well, you know, I'm, I'm just working hard. I'm, I'm trying to do my best. And you know, deep down there's this voice saying, no, that's not what you're doing. You're watching Netflix. You're neglecting your responsibilities. You know you should be looking for that job. You know you should be working on this aspect of yourself, but you're repressing it. You're ignoring it. That thing is trying to get your attention for good reason. But also, any new novelty that comes your way is just too much. There's all this baggage, all this trauma underneath the surface that anything new, anything unknown, uncertain. And when it comes up, you're going to erupt. It's just too much. You already have enough, right? You're past your threshold of tolerance already. There's already enough unresolved issues beneath your surface of consciousness that needs to be attended to, attended to, and anything new that pops up is going to be met with anger, aggression, more anxiety, panic. Number seven, you have no trust in your body. So you walk around hunched over, touching parts of your body continuously, playing out the victim. 
you look in the mirror and you see this unhealthy person, you believe you're not healthy and there is no trust that in yourself that you can overcome this health concern. Mostly because you haven't learned the tools necessary to live a healthy life. I always talk about this on the podcast. You need to work on your foundation because that person who believes that they're unhealthy, they look in the mirror and they don't have that foundation. Their foundation is built upon sand because that sand represents all of the bad habits that you're doing every day that are making you feel unhealthy, right? Your anxiety is making you feel unhealthy. Well, what's below your anxiety? Well, my behaviors are making me feel unhealthy. Okay, let's pick apart your behaviors. What are you doing? Well, I'm smoking regularly and I'm not getting enough sleep and I have too much to do during the day. I'm rushing around too much and I have all these repressed, unresolved traumatic moments from my past that I haven't dealt with yet. I am watching too much Netflix. I'm not watching what I eat. There's a lot of things there to pick upon, right? So that's your foundation. What are you doing every day? Like I said before, your behaviors are more sophisticated than your representation of them. They're more sophisticated. You have to look and be aware of these behaviors because once you start to change one behavior, it's going to have a ripple effect. You're going to see a massive change in what you're manifesting. Really powerful. And also anxiety sufferers feel detached. There's no balance in their life, right? The scales are tilted strongly all the way to one side. They need to balance out and sacrifice a lot of things so that the scales start to even themselves out. Number six, you can't seem to change your behaviors. Now, being in pain can be your new familiar, your new normal. That's your normal, being in pain. You don't know any other way of being. You've been the victim for a long time. Your life has been a catastrophe, and so you remain as that person of that ca catastrophic life, the victim. And you also believe that being overly anxious is protecting you and your family. That once you break outside of this box of anxiety, that things will get worse. That you won't be able to protect your family. That you won't be able to overcome this health concern. That in some way, being anxious is... Make is is necessary. And that's really interesting. And breaking outside of that box of worry is 
too unknown for you because being in pain gets familiar too quickly, right? And confronting your inadequacies is way too painful because once you confront an inadequacy of yours, what happens is you have to then work on those things, work on those habits and behaviors that, because when you confront an inadequacy, there's too many directions to go because you are confronted with that thing and then, oh, I got to work on that, but how am I going to work on that? That And that that opens the door to this massive unknown space. And then so you have to follow a mentor and then you have to follow steps through books or YouTube videos or podcasts to work on that aspect of yourself, right? And that's a lot of work. You have to reach outside of the domain of what's known to you into this unfamiliar place. But that's that unfamiliar place is what's necessary for you to overcome the challenges you're currently facing. Because what do you know? You've been, you've been stuck in this same cycle, right? Of course, that when you break out of what's known to you right now, you're going to find the answers, even though it's painful because you have to, you have to learn. It's like starting from grade one again. Oh, I have to learn how to breathe properly again. I have to learn how to uh, meditate or, or I have to learn proper posture again. It seems ridiculous. It seemed ridiculous for me when I first thought about it. I'm like, I have to change my posture and the way I breathe. I'm not breathing properly. It's like, oh my God, it's so, it's so novel. But that's where you have to start. You have to break outside of what's familiar. Really, really powerful. Number five is that you avoid places. Anxiety sufferers shrink their world down to a small, the smallest space possible because they want, they're desperate for order, right? And so they believe by ignoring those outside places that make them feel iffy that they'll somehow solve their feelings and anxiety, but it doesn't. It only makes it worse because you you have to go out and confront those places eventually, right? And it gets to the point where you're suffering from agoraphobia, which is the fear of being out in public and losing control. It gets to the point where you go for a walk a block from your house and you can't even do that because your anxiety spikes and then you run back home. So the more you avoid places, the more the dragon of chaos grows and that the places you're avoiding, they grow in threat and size and they grow and they grow and they grow to the point where you can't even leave your home. It's, absolutely debilitating. Number four is that you're a fortune teller. You think the worst outcomes before they even happen. You engage in imaginative images from your right hemisphere. 
You imagine the worst case scenario. You're projecting images of the worst case scenario. And then the left hemisphere produces words that keep you stuck in this worry cycle. You think words and you entertain phrases like, I'll never get better. I'm going to do horrible at my job. My child is going to hate me. My boss hates me. People think I'm going crazy. But you're not a fortune teller, are you? You're going to manifest what you pay attention to. So if you're paying attention to these thoughts or images in your mind, you will get, you will manifest them in some way. Whether it's just feeling anxious about it, because obviously they're going to produce negative emotions, but also you might unconsciously manifest the things that you don't really want and that you're ruminating over. So watch what you pay attention to. Number three is you have a hard time getting to sleep. When your anxiety response is active 24-7, it's going to be difficult to get a full night's rest. And when I say the dragons and the monsters come out at night, I mean it because what happens when you shut off the TV? What happens when you're away from the people that you care about? What happens when it's just you and your own mind in the dark on in your bed? What happens? The monsters come out. The things that you're repressing, they come out, especially when you're in your dreams because your dreams are trying to make sense of the world and if you haven't made sense of past repressed emotional events then it's going to try and bring them back it's going to try your unconscious will bring them about in your dreams to try and formulate and understand what you have yet to understand and when that happens it causes nightmares it causes extreme anxiety you wake up startled in a sweat in the at 2 a.m it's too much Right. So when I started to engage more in my parasympathetic nervous system, which is my rest and digest system by meditating, by solving issues, by making my life more orderly and routine, like by taking hot baths, by doing things that relaxes me, I noticed that my sleeps started to get better and better because well, you're not as stressed as you used to be. You're calming your system down. You have to calm your system down. Number two is you are on Dr. Google way too much. You're trying to solve the problem, whether it's this headache, is it a can- is it a tumor, whether your heart palpitation, whether that's some heart disease or uh, clogged arteries or whether this pain in your side is kidney disease, You're trying to solve the problem, but it could and most likely is the wrong problem you're solving. And that's really interesting to think about. When you go on Google, you're trying to solve the problem by Googling the symptoms, right? But it could and most likely be the wrong problem because Google brings about 
could be cancer. It could be this disease. It could be that disease. It could be a lack of this. It could be an excess of this. There's too many possibilities. But the problem isn't, isn't that pain, right? It, it, the problem is that your anxiety response is and you're, you're stressed out to the max. And the, and the stress is bringing about those strange sensations that you're misinterpreting as being cancer. Then you're Googling the symptom. And then what Google does is it, it opens up a door of many other possibilities and that overwhelms you and thus enhancing your anxiety and thus keeping those symptoms and feelings alive more. Number one is you spend too much time in the bathroom. And I found the bathroom to be a place where I can somewhat compose myself, especially when I was out in public or with friends or with Maggie's friends. I found that running to the bathroom was a great way to escape the the judgment, excuse me, the judgment of them, but also to try and figure out the problem, right? Because when I'm around, when I was around people, when I used to suffer from extreme health anxiety, I would have to constantly repress and ignore my symptoms and ignore the what if thoughts and ignore the problems that I was trying to contend with to be social, to put on this mask that everything is fine. Look at, look at me. I'm social right now. But there would be a point where I'm like, I can't, I can't do this. I have to go to the bathroom. I have to, and I go to the bathroom. I, 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 I would pee and then look at my pee and say, is my pee okay? Is it too dark? Is it too clear? And then after that, I would spend like a good five minutes trying to compose myself. It's like, okay, Brad, you can do this. Breathe. It's like, you'll figure this out. And it's like, oh my God, how am I going to endure the next 15 minutes of this conversation with these people? What am I going to do? And so a lot of anxiety sufferers drink a lot of water. They go to the bathroom a lot because they believe unconsciously that they're flushing out whatever they have within them by doing that. But also they try and compose themselves. They try and they try and add some order to the chaos that's going on internally. And it's a it's a it's it's a, another way to escape the awkwardness, right? You think you're being awkward around these people, these social situations. You feel you're acting weird, and then you feel like other people are noticing that you're acting weird. And this is a temporary escape, being in the bathroom. Sometimes I would even go on my phone and phone one of my relatives in my bathroom or in a bathroom at work because of how anxious I was feeling and to get that reassurance. And that's where I'm going to leave you on today's podcast episode. If you haven't already, go check out the Anxiety Project program 
at unpluganxiety.com. This is my CBT and NLP based program that is currently 15% off with coupon code end anxiety for the this fall season. So this fall sale, you get the program for 15% off with coupon code end anxiety one word. And so check it out. I have a video on that page of you can watch a video describing what is included in the program. So learn all about what's included. Is it right for you? And just you be the judge, right? Is this something that you can invest for yourself? You know, invest in yourself to overcome the challenges you're currently facing because you can't put a price tag on that, right? That improvement, those tools and techniques to improve your life. So check out that program. And lastly, do not let anxiety define who you are. I will see you on the next podcast or video. Bye for now. Brad's Powerful Anxiety Recovery Program is now available at unpluganxiety.com. The Anxiety Project Program is downloadable and puts the power of anxiety recovery in your own hands. Visit unpluganxiety.com for more details. Recovery starts now.